0: When I think about where I want to go and I do a lot of the reflection and discovery around it, I think about who are the people who have been there and done that, and then I go seek them out. I think mentors show up in people's lives. Like the, the teacher shows up when the student's ready. 100%. And I, I've sought out the right teachers when I've been ready and I've needed them, and the right people have just showed up. And I've been very fortunate, but I've also haven't been scared to tell people I need help.
1: Yeah, that's important too. I've seen like finding mentors as a way to kind of explore different paths and lifestyles as well. You know, like I started out with Tom Bilyeu, who is like very A-type, hyper performer, you know, just like just like work, work, work all the time. And but also super successful, built a billion dollar company. Right. And it's like at the time, that's like that's the similar to you. It's like at that super ambition. I was like, that's what I want, you know, and so I gravitated towards him. And through learning from him, through being around him, through working from him, observing everything he did, slowly I realized that that's not actually what I wanted. You know, that is the biggest lesson for me that like that was an invaluable lesson that he taught me of like, oh, this is is not actually the lifestyle that I want. And so then hopped onto another mentor, which is like, oh, like, because I'm still very drawn to entrepreneurship. But like, let me try to find an entrepreneurship that has figured out not that the other path isn't great, I think everyone has a different path, but like let's figure out a way to balance like a very healthy group of friends, uh social life like hobbies, but also like running a like a super successful business at the same time, maybe not at the scale of the billion dollar company, but like still a very successful company, right? And so that's that's why I hopped on to another mentor, which is like who I'm working with right now, Noah Kagan. But I just think that there's something about you have a vision of like, oh. Like, this is what I think I want for myself. And the mentors kind of offer like a shortcut. Instead of you spending like 10, 20 years, like, oh, let me like go, at this on my own. Like, then figure out like 30, 40 years old, like, holy shit, this is not what I wanted, you know? Like, they offer you a vision to that world that you can get in like a year or two instead of like 20 years, you know? And be like, huh. And then now I'm with Noah and there's some stuff where it's like, oh, I really like this, this and this in his life. But like, there's some stuff that, maybe aren't for me and like then you can find someone else of like oh i think it's almost like you have a hypothesis of what you want you know then you find that person that that that's living that life that you think you want and then you go and you learn from them and obviously each mentor leaves you with like different lessons but i thought it was really interesting how you broke it down Hey guys, this is Jeremy, and you're listening to episode number 22 of Backstage Careers, the podcast where I interview the people who are working behind the scenes with some of the biggest entrepreneurs and creators out there. And in this episode, I talked to Brian Wish, the founder of BW Missions, who's worked with a bunch of best-selling authors to help them launch their books and build movements around their book launches. To give you an example, one of his clients is Nir Al, the best-selling author of Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. But I want to give you a heads up, this episode is going to be a little different than the usual interviews on this podcast. We do talk about how Brian landed impressive clients like Nier AL and how he's found amazing mentors throughout his life. But for a large part of the interview, we actually go deep on how to find a career path you're passionate about. Brian has an incredible story of how he finally found his passion after years of therapy, self-reflection, and experimentation. And he has a lot of lessons to share that I think can benefit some of you guys who haven't found work you love yet. So if you like this kind of episode where we go deeper on the topic of finding the right career path for you, let me know by DMing me on IG or Twitter at Jeremy John Mary. And if you'd prefer more interviews where we go into the nitty-gritty details of behind the scenes stuff, let me know as well. All right, let's get started with the interview and I hope you enjoy it. I thought it was really interesting diving into your story. It seems like you had like some type of quarter life crisis way earlier than most people do, right? Which is the junior year of college.
0: Yeah. So I'll give you, so I'll give you some context there on, let's just say the first quarter life crisis, you know? Yeah.
1: And maybe giving some context as well. And like before hitting that junior life crisis, right? Like what did your life look like? What had you accomplished and where were you at?
0: Yeah, Okay. Let's just take you to my junior year of college prior to that. Um, because of a divorce growing up, I was able to just, I think, see very early a life for myself that I wanted and started to figure out super intentionally of like, how do I get there? And as soon as I entered college, it felt like this bulldoze and this rush to conquer all these goals professionally. It was like, I need to build a business and get that done early and first so that when I have a family one day, right? I'm not trying to figure all that out because I didn't want to repeat the cycle of how I grew up. And so I spent the first three years of college working every job and internship I could find within sports and sports business and trying to find my own niche, trying to build t-shirt businesses on the side, you know. or one time in college, my sophomore year, I tried to do a t-shirt business working with college fraternities and sororities and undercut the main distributors. And, you know, I tried to scale out way too quick at different campuses and, you know, all throughout the Southeast. and. But I was just fueled by, like, that freedom of, like, what building a successful business could do for me later in life. And then I was doing all these internships. I worked at American University this summer between my freshman sophomore year in their sports department. Came back to college. I worked at the agency called IMG, which did all like this corporate sponsorships for athletics, which fascinated me. That led me to an internship with the Hawks and Braves between my sophomore and junior year. Uh, I'm sorry, just the Atlanta Hawks at the time and running their sports programs uh, as an intern and doing a lot of organization and coordinating. And that led me to, you know, seeing an opportunity with the Hawks and Braves to create sports programs that worked with college campuses and drove ticket sales because they had no idea how to interact with college students. And that turned into a six-figure program within a year. And pre-COVID, I think it was like a $200,000 a year program that, you know, was a fun legacy to leave. But what happened is in that first quarter of life crisis, if you can tell, like, I missed out on maybe the flow of life because I was so focused in college on breaking through that maybe having fun or studying abroad or Being a part of the club just for fun, you know, because it was extracurricular or the personal development work that I could have been doing was neglected. So it was such a focused tunnel because I was so scared that if I didn't really conquer these goals and desires that I had immediately, that I would never be able to get to them. And then if I had a family, I would be kind of stripped of my soul and I wouldn't be able to go do that either. And I just had this massive fear that was driving me. And when I got to my junior year of college, I kind of hit this breaking point because I was like, one, what am I trying to prove to people by succeeding? Am I fulfilled in sports and, like, trying to climb up this ladder of sports business? And, you know, I was trying to, like, prove myself to my dad. I was trying to prove my self-worth to the kids in high school or coaches who didn't see me as enough. And I had all these drivers that, like, weren't for myself. I mean, let's just call it a career standpoint. And so after that junior, yeah, I remember it was a it was again, it was a, a breakup that I was dating this girl where it was like I had to kind of face myself for the first time, maybe not in a full way, but it was the scroll that broke the camel's back, where it wasn't the breakup in itself, but it it allowed me to really peel back the roots of all these career decisions I was making. And it was very profound for me because I, I had to really think about what is meaning. And I know you and I share the common interest in Simon Sinek's work. And I started to ask myself why a lot. And I read Start With Why. And I really started to question, you know, what does a meaningful life and what does a meaningful path, you know, look like for me? And I became obsessed with finding purpose and meaning and fulfillment. I should say at an age maybe that most are still like trying to figure out what class they want to take their senior year. Or what first job they want out of college, or first internship they want to do, and I was at like, oh, I've already done this stuff the last three years. Like, why not just figure this out a little early? And so, the breaking point in the first life crisis, there was a lot of subconscious and preceding drivers in my life where I bulldozed my way through college, in a in a sense, to figure out career, succeeded, questioned, what is it? is this meaningful, and then went on the sprint to find meaning professionally so that I could have meaning in other areas of my life, which led me to a second crisis <laughs> six, seven years later. But, um, but that's how I
1: answered that question. I think there's a lot, we have a lot of things in common there as far as like the bulldozing through college, like very similar for me. It was all about the resume and also just like being in a rush, you know, of like wanting to for me, it was like, I wanted to get it over with. I just wanted to like start working as soon as possible. I was like working on the side, like working for startups part-time and stuff. And, and the second thing is like, for me, it was a little later, a little after college, but like big breakup, five-year relationship, right? Which kind of like also had me face like all of those questions of like, oh, like um, I was driving a, a lot of meaning from that relationship. When that vacuum opens up, it's like, oh shit. Besides this relationship, all I have is my work, <laughs> you know? I'm like, what does this mean about me, you know? And, like, a lot of questions. But I thought you, the way you faced this crisis was really interesting. You designed a, I think, what you called, like, a personal internship the summer of your junior year. Can you talk a little bit about, about that?
0: You know, what I did was I... I went home between the summer of my junior and senior year. And it was like the the summer I didn't have an official internship because I did my freshman year and my sophomore year. And I remember getting home that summer, and I just needed a break. And I remember my mom was like, are you going to work this summer? I'll never forget. I just had so much anger and, like, built up. And I remember, like, I was so mad. I was just like, I couldn't get to the root of things. And I remember, like, taking the glass coffee pot at their old house and like, I was just like pissed and I like slammed it and shattered it on the counter. And like, I'm not one who's just, like anger issues. I did have some anger, I think in college around some things from the past, but it's pretty, pretty gone. Um, and I just like, I knew like that's that break, the shattering of the coffee pot was actually, like, there was so much more. And so I remember after that, um, I started working with a coach named Neil Bowes, um, who served me you know, for a, a good period. And we started digging into all those questions around career. And then what I was also doing was I was reading a lot of books and then and I spent a lot of time in isolation. So what I did was I created this power washing business to satisfy my mom's needs. I remember that night after I slammed the coffee pot, I went to my room and I emailed like five people in the area, I was like, I'm gonna do power washing this summer. And it was beautiful because not only was I getting paid to work, but I had, I was getting paid to be still in my mind. And so by power washing, it was a very um solo gig. Um, I probably made five or six thousand dollars just that summer by power washing. And it was super cathartic and it gave me time to process the therapy and the coaching sessions and the books I was reading while I was doing the work. And I'll never forget, like. There were moments when I was power washing, and I was like writing down why statements and purpose statements on my phone because I could really process and and think through, you know, intentionally about who I was. And while it was so raw, maybe the early versions and iterations, I
1: started getting a lot of clarity. Nice. What do you come out of that summer with, as far as like takeaways and um, yeah. realizations about yourself and where you're heading?
0: Yeah, so I think it's similar to what I'm actually experiencing now in, a, in just a new and evolved way. But I remember, the best way I can answer this is when I went back to college my senior year, I remember feeling like I had shed all these layers. So while well, I had incredible friends in college, and they're still good friends to this day, we just don't really talk as much. I just remember feeling kind of distanced, especially intellectually it's not like I was above or superior, but the things I cared about and my interest in, in like the learnings about myself, it made it really hard to connect with other people in a meaningful way, because what I had faced and learned and gone through, I think what most people go through in their forties or fifties, at least the the first part of that, it was really hard to, to really connect. And so I noticed a, a definitely an evolution of self, And a desire and need that I needed to build new relationships. And I was coming out of one shell and I needed to come into another shell. I just didn't know what that shell was. And that's very symbolic and relatable to, you know, where I am, you know, just the past five months. And so I think when you spend an enormous amount of time with yourself, with the right resources, coaches, the right readings and less distraction from the external noise or social hangouts, it gives you a lot of time to kind of remold and like unfold who you are in a really beautiful way. It's just hard and painful work in the process.
1: Totally. And you mentioned you worked with a sports psychologist, right? Was he like a therapist or was he like a coach or, yeah. and what, what kind of work were you guys doing together? He worked with Olympic athletes and like very successful leaders
0: in business. And it really helped me just maybe put some more function in my life I was experiencing at that time in my life a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And it wasn't just that I was experiencing the the lows. It was that I didn't know how to come up from the lows. And so once I kind of got down, I got down. And I didn't know how to bring myself up. And a lot of the work was equipping me with the tools to maybe live a little more um statically in a sense, where the highs weren't as high and the lows weren't as low. But yes, it was a very influential period to learn how... Good athletes consistently perform. Good business leaders consistently perform what they do day in and day out and start applying those to my life and literally think of like my life as momentum and kind of put in infrastructures and my health and my work and my all these areas and my relationships I cared about where they could all congruently come together. So when you think of an Olympic athlete, right? To get gold four years out, you know, it's a matter of maybe milliseconds you know and so to train it's like how do you consistently get better there's a physical component there's a technical component there's a social component there's a rest component there's just all these different things that
1: plus the the why that you're mentioning before right like that driving purpose right
0: yeah and so you so taking what sits on top of the purpose taking all the different foundations in your life that you care about and then kind of breaking those down into micro steps so you can achieve peak performance and that's how I started treating my life, for the better or worse, where it's like, how do I build as much momentum in all the areas of my life I care about so over the long term I can achieve the life I want? And again, it served me well to a degree, but it hindered and hurt me a lot to a degree as well, right? I think every strength has a weakness. So it led me, when I came back to college, I just kind of continue the story, I felt this need to connect. And I felt this need that I wasn't connecting. And I was like, I wanna share kind of the learnings I went through, but it also felt so isolating. And writing it has always been an outlet for me. And I was like, what if I could create a platform for other people to share these personal experiences of overcoming adversity and I could share my story into it and see where it goes. And that led me to creating a platform called Wish Dish where I had 800 plus contributors from around the country. And then the people who shared on the platform became extremely good friends and we had the shared emotional connection over what we went through, how we went through it. That really allowed me using a professional outlet as a way to kind of step into the next shell of who I was. You know, you talk about this idea of me finding a path, right? The idea of finding a path for myself, it it takes a lot of reflection. And usually pairing that with building relationships extremely intentionally based on where you want to go in your future so you can stand out in the fullest way and belong on your own terms. And so I think... Throughout my whole life, it's this constant, just for the better or worse, reflection, self-discovery, and how do I progress to where I want to go and build the relationships and put myself in the right arenas to do that so that I can go achieve the things in my life that I want in all areas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's something that I've personally felt with the podcast of like, hey, you have this theme you're really passionate about, right? And then it's almost like an excuse to reach out to people and connect with like-minded people that that are interested in the same things. And and then learning through their stories as well of like, oh, like this person's on their own journey. They've had their own lessons, right? And like learning from them, applying those in your life. And at the same time, like being vulnerable with, with the other people, you know, and like that creates like a sense of connection as well. And I mean, anyone out there, like, 100% recommend starting a podcast or a platform like Brian started, just, like, that that kind of, like, is an excuse and an accountability system almost to reach out to other people and, and connect with uh, with people that are kind of aligned with, with your values and your interests.
0: Totally. I kind of agree more, especially in the vulnerability piece. And when you let people in, you know, when you both can kind of show up to a conversation and be your full self, like you just said, I think it creates that shared humanity and then we create a platform right yeah makes it easier to elicit those voices in a very meaningful way just like you've done and so
1: totally um, man i saw it online where it was kind of you branded it as like the altruistic buzzfeed so i was curious like what at the time was your plan with this platform like were you do you have plans of turning this into a business was it just like a like a project that you're passionate about yeah, that's a good question. So when I graduated, I had a couple had an
0: offer with the Atlanta Hawks out of college and then this big agency out of New York where I actually had accepted an offer to go work at this sports firm called, um, that was at the time, I think a really good firm. I just remember walking away from the experience with this just bad taste in my stomach. I vividly remember like getting into a taxi cab and just like something fell off and I don't remember what or why. I just knew. In my gut, it was wrong for me. Mm-hmm. But it was like hard to realize because it was like I had invested all these years already into sports. And that's kind
1: of like the like sunk cost, right? You're like, oh shit, <laughs> like like I'm losing all this experience I already have. I think that's what's hard with career changes, right? You're like invested yeah. into it.
0: Right. And, and I think what's hard to realize when you're so in it is the fact that there's so much there's transferable skills and relationships and everything that you do, I think if you're intentional about how you go about things. And mm-hmm. so but at the time I was getting ready to launch Wish Dish as a passion project. And that was going into the spring semester of my senior year of college. And I had at the time actually like probably $30,000 in the bank, all my work, all the different aspects of everything I had done, you know, the power washing, the Hawks and Braves ticket sales stuff, like I kinda of looked at that, I was like, this is a massive amount of money for a twenty, twenty-year-old. I was doing everything as cheap as possible to get the platform off the ground. I saw it as an investment in myself and the relationships and you know, whatever would come. And so when I got back to school, I launched the website and I was just I never felt so like soul driven in a way that was so aligned to who I was. Wow. And that like deeper calling kept pushing me towards Wish Dish. And I kind of hit this right before spring break where I called my boss that I was going to work with in New York. And I was trembling. And I said, look, I'm not coming to New York. I'm going to f- focus on this full time. And he's like, well, why don't you, Why not, I'll help you work on it. And, you know, you can work on it part time. And I just knew in my heart it was wrong. And I was so scared. Yeah, I felt so relieved when I was done doing, telling him. But then I was like, oh, shit, what did I just do? And so, like, to listen to that voice and that fear, like, oh right. yeah, yeah. And so I ended up taking Wish Dish at the time, not doing it anymore, obviously, but I just leaned into it. And I was like, I'm going to go into this. I had no business plan. My, I remember going home for spring break. I presented this presentation to my parents of how I was going to turn this into a business. My dad and my mom, my dad's like, this isn't a business plan. You should go to New York and work a job. like <laughs> And they're divorced now, obviously. My mom looked at my dad and goes, never forget. And she was like, she was like, Alex, Brian always figures it out. Just let them do it or whatever. And it's like, wasn't their decision, but it's like, I wanted their emotional support. Right. So it, it was more than a passion project. Right. I tried to turn it into a business. I just didn't have a business plan. I think what I always had a hard time with and while the platform at its peak was doing like, 15, 20,000 visitors a month in traffic, which was really good. I always struggled with how do I monetize emotions in these personal shared humanity stories in a way that doesn't compromise the values of myself or the platform. And by the time I think I figured out like what I could do to do it, you know, I just realized the chapter was coming to a close and I should probably go get some more skills and experiences to further my opportunity to build a business again, because I knew long term that's what I wanted to do. It was just going to need to take a different form and I just said, you know, this is a great experience to hang my hat on. I had no money though, and I was definitely not in good shape physically or mentally. So I was just like, I need to kind of have a reset.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. You had those skills to to make money, but then it's like, this challenge that you had is like, how do you mix something that's like, I really feel passionate about and like, that's kind of like value-based and aligned with like my personality with making money, right? And so that was like the first struggle. Eventually, you made it work. So we're gonna we're gonna circle back to that. But uh, what did you do after that? Like when when you had to face that, like this wasn't gonna work out.
0: I mean, similar to like what I shared with you when I realized sports wasn't right, uh-huh. you know. And so what I did was, I did a lot of reflection. I was like, what are the skills I need to build a successful business? And the signals and the raindrops that I kept hearing and we were so visible. at WishDish was I never had a brand. Like it was a platform for stories, but there was no foundation. There was no message that it was a clear thread line through. And I remember everyone said, you need a rebrand. And so I thought a rebrand is a time a new logo and color scheme and functionality on the website. Yeah. yeah. I did that like three times with wish dish and that probably drained my money. Um Cause like I need to learn branding. However, what I did know is I loved content and I loved community and I love the impact that, Words and vulnerable communication could have on people, and that needed to be at least consistent and so what happened was is i start I made a list of like a hundred different people opportunities names, and I was in conversation with the you know someone who was a mentor at the time, and like still is today, his name's Adam Wexler he runs a really successful sports betting company called prize picks and so we were in the Atlanta tech village and uh that's like Atlanta's main tech hub and he said to me, have you heard of Kairos? And this was like in a period I was really struggling and should figure out my next step. And he's like, you should really get to know them. They're, they're fun, they're about to relaunch. I know one of the partners gets stuck with me. And so I went home and I started to research it. And it was this community of some of the brightest young entrepreneurs around the world. And I literally went on LinkedIn. I requested like a hundred of the fellows. A couple days later, this was like in my sprint of outreach with different opportunities that felt aligned. I got an email from the CEO, he's like, what do you want? Your name's come to my inbox like four times, but the timing might be good because we're looking at opening up a Southeast division. It's like, okay. So, and Ka- by the way, Kairos had a brand, like they had a clear message about like, they're creating solutions where public and private markets have failed and then like investing in entrepreneurs innovating in those spaces. Yeah. and. It was really inspiring at the time and had an incredible, like the way people got in, the people they were affiliated with, it was really special. And I said, you know, why don't I run the Southeast division, build it out for you? I took all the modeling from the Hawks and Braves and Gross strategies from Wish Dish and I, I kind of created this plan for the Southeast and I just sent it to them. And at this time I had nothing to lose, like take it and run with it or like let me run it. And so I volunteered to run it and then I started putting in all the fellows and then I became a fellow and then I became an executive. And then towards the end of the year, like I was remember, this offer free in
1: the beginning or yeah, I did it
0: all free, Um because I was trying to figure out, I was like, whatever it takes to like breakthrough.
1: Yeah.
0: And I sent him this plan. I started doing really well. And by the end of November, he's like two things. One, do you want to come to Finland to the slush conference with us? And it was, like, with the best investors and entrepreneurs and all of these, like, private plane, like, unbelievable, like, experienced things. Like, too. you want to, like, I need help. Like, can you run the community? Because I really need to focus on the investment side. So I was, like, thrusted into this leadership position and put in front of all these people who, like, I think they thought, like, oh, wow, like, who is this kid? Like, he's running the community and this and, like, I mean, at the time, like, looking back, like, I was, like, I should not be here,
1: yeah you know? Just to caveat, like, I think that's one of the values of like, that's one of like the unfair advantages of like working for free, right? Like the thing is like, you get your foot in the door, you become like almost like indispensable, right? And then it's like, people offer you more, right? Even though, even if you don't have the skills, people trust that you can figure it out, you know, because you've done it before and you've showed them. I mean, that's how I got the job with Tom. No social media experience whatsoever, you know? But, like, I got, I got in the door for free for 90 days, and then there was an opportunity that opened up. I had proven that I can figure things out, and so they trusted me to, to give me a shot. Once you're doing the work and it's like they need you, you know, you're, you're there for the long run. Even if yeah. you're, like, younger than you're supposed to be or, like, less experienced. Yeah, I just want to add to what you said,
0: too, is, like, you could see the long term in mind. Like, what country did you come from again? Uh, from France. France. So like you came from France and just plopped up an SF and we're like, I'm gonna figure it out. Like it takes balls to do that, right? And kind of your back against the wall out of the gate. So it's like yeah. why not? Like you've nothing to lose. Someone's gonna open the door for you. You might not know who. But I think what's neat is the people who respect that kind of hustle. You, you're gonna attract those kinds of people taking those kind of outsized risks and usually will work out for you but you got to kind of have the balls to overcome the fear to do it and the strength and resilience to kind of push past like the nose and so everything to what you just said absolutely
1: i i actually was somewhat involved with kairos or i wasn't involved but i had some experiences with them where this was i think 2014 so before you joined they had this world summit in barcelona yeah yeah does that strike a bell? Um, so I was there. I was very inspired and I was very into tech at the time. And you mentioned like their brand was strong. It, it was, man. I, it kind of fired me up, right? Because they have this whole message about like social entrepreneurship and changing the world. And, and like they have all these fellows that are, I mean, really just like 20 year olds who are building these companies that at least on paper seem like they're changing the world, you know? And so, yeah, definitely an amazing brand.
0: No, it's, and it's definitely evolved, right? And pivoted over the years. But yeah, at the time, I think in its true heyday, like it, it was done well and done right. And it just branched off and it's different now, but it's really neat. You were able to see that because it was a lesson into branding and it was a lesson into taking my skill sets and applying them in a way that could be strengthened and used and harnessed. And then also I could learn and get an education around it and build relationships, uh, that still serve me to this day in a really profound way so special opportunity
1: there's a certain glamour around it as well right like you mentioned like planes and stuff i know like they would do their summits like at new new york stock exchange and there's an allure of success associated with it right whether that was like artificial or not you know i think they did a really good job of like attracting fellows to this ecosystem and community
0: no doubt. Yeah, there was definitely an allure and a glamour. And, you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned when you work in an environment like that. But, you know, it's what you take out of it and apply to your own life. And, I, you know, I think I took took all the uh, experience and it, it really shaped me in, I think, a very positive way.
1: Nice. You, you stayed there for about a year, a little little longer. Did you learn what you wanted about branding? Like, what what was your experience coming out of this and what were the learnings and expertise you built there?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So I saw the power of a message. I saw the power of how a message could rally a community. And I saw how with the right content kind of it was like the trifecta, the brand, the content, the community. It was just one of those things where like the chapter just should close. And I kind of felt that it was either like become a partner, but that really wasn't my track and they made that clear. And nor I, looking back what was going to be right. Or like continue on building what I had built, but the like the growth curve was kind of over. For okay. sure. Um, and so I ended up moving from Atlanta up to D back home to DC to kind of rebuild my life. I do think I learned what I wanted, but I kinda of went back to that same process of am I ready to build a business again? I didn't feel so in my heart. What are the skills I need to do it? And what's next? And what became very clear to me was I felt I needed to build a personal brand. Something I learned through Kairos and I just started thinking about really deeply was I wanted something that could carry with me through the test of time no matter who I worked for. And then I was like, I need to work for a CEO. Like, write directly for a CEO and understand their daily life. And I was like, I also need to understand content distribution. And just magically, I was able to Find an opportunity to work with Alan Gannett, you know, in DC. I met a bunch of people when I got to DC. A lot of people were like, you should meet Alan. Was that through out- your
1: network from Kairos or? Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. Right. Like Kair- Kairos still pays itself to this day forward. And so the DC chapter when I met was meeting with them, like, go meet Alan. And so I reached out. I was like, Hey, I've been told I need to meet you. She's so like, let's do lunch. And I-, I had lunch with him. I'll never forget at a um, Pete's coffee in DC. And I, I showed up to the wrong location first. I was panicking when I walked in. <laughs> um, he like blazes off all these questions. Like he, like he went so quick. That was his background, and what, what was he, he, was he entrepreneur? an entrepreneur? He had sold one company. like an investment fund that he also like rolled off of. He was twenty eight. He was writing a book. I mean, the level of success he had. And just his sharpness, and just the way he da- the way he processed information, uh, unbelievable. And you know, to do what he had done, I was like blown away. And I remember walking out of that meeting, and I was like, "Oh shit, I'm never gonna talk to him again." Like I completely embarrassed myself. I just felt like I was just put through a ringer. Of like, it didn't even feel like an interview. It just felt
1: like a daze that I just like blew through. Very similar to the interview I had with Tom. <laughs> just like that, 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 and you're like. Uh. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I would. I would love to know more. And so after that interview, I sent him. I followed up. I sent him this book marketing plan. He told me he was writing a book, and I was going to do one for Wish. Just I said, hey, if helpful, here's this plan. You know, best of luck to you. I never thought I'd see him again. Like truthfully, yeah. I was at the Forbes conference, and like my last stint with Kairos, kind of helping with the conference, and I'm uh, up in Boston. And I get an email from him, and it's like, what are you doing after Kairos? I was like, I don't know. Like I have a couple things I'm thinking about. He's like, you want to come work for me for a year, year and a half? Just just for me, help me build the brand, launch the book, and I'll send you off from there. And it's like everything I had outlined and reflected upon what I wanted to do after Kairos like showed up in an email. It was an immediate yes. Because I knew that's what I wanted. And it's just like I didn't ever ask them for the job.
1: It's funny how that how that works, right? Like things just show up like that. And a lot of times I feel like we of agonize around like career decisions right but like whenever the right next step appears it's like your entire body is like yes like this is right you know it's like it just feels right on every level
0: no doubt and it takes a level of awareness though and i think reflection so when the right things are in front of you you know they're there and i think personally professionally all areas of our life right it's all integrated we don't take the time to, I think, reflect and figure out who we are and what we want. We have the most beautiful and perfect thing right in front of us, but we might not be equipped to recognize it or, you know, handle it and kind of got to let that person go or thing go, right? And and I think that happens a lot because we're not really aware and involved enough to recognize that this is something really good. And I think if I I could have taken that for granted and been like, yeah, like this could be good. But like, I was like, no, this is – um this was perfect. And I didn't really care about the money. It was all about, I mean, I got paid, but like it was, it was about the long term.
1: Where did this idea, uh, come that you had to work for an executive? Cause I mean, it's obviously a similar path that I followed, similar path that a lot of people on the podcast followed, but I'm just curious where that inspiration came from. Like, what was your thinking behind it? I just felt I needed
0: more of an edge and I needed to kind of see how the sausage was made. Yeah. And, not only was I able to work with an executive, I was able to do it in a line way where I could bring in everything I built into the, Alan's ecosystem and really amplify what he was doing.
1: Yeah, you get to witness someone build a company from the ground up, right? And like, it's almost being like like their shadow, right? You, you get to see everything they're doing, and like, you take it in almost subconsciously as well, you know, like oh, uh, you learn all these things subconsciously, like a child learns like from watching their parents, right? It's like you're like shadowing, you're like, oh, all this is coming in. And then it's like, at some point, you feel ready. I mean, it seems like you felt ready at some point to start your own company after all these experiences. Yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. And I think that's a great way to put it.
1: What were you doing exactly for him?
0: I was doing all of his PR, running a lot of his content and community stuff online, on the, all the social, helping tee up the newsletter, the website, the. You know, speaking engagements, submitting applications. It was like building him. It was like building him a brand platform, and he had already done some of the legwork, no doubt. Like Alan, he had the content, he had a lot of the things in place in a way, but maybe like half baked. And like he really enabled me to kind of show my ability and take me under his wing and set up those systems and processes and like what. It was just special. I mean, helped get him a TED talk and like on like 40 different podcasts helped him put in the strategy and the operations and, and like also just got to see how he worked as well. Like, you know, and he was demanding and in the best way, He put me into shape. I messed up a lot. He literally made me put a double, double check sticky note at the top of my computer because I had made a lot of little mistakes and it drove him nuts as it should. Right. It is someone who has worked to build a brand so hard the last, 10 plus years, I was managing his reputation in an authentic way, but I sometimes messed up on an email or a message I sent. And so it was just it was a lot, you know,
1: it was never stopped. And um, it was good. You've mentioned a lot of, like a couple mentors to me that have been like really influential throughout your life. I also have a quote here that I pulled from one of your blog posts. I think it's from earlier in college, but uh, I'll read it quickly. It was also in this period where I used my strengths to break, break through the doors I should have never been able to open. I gained free consulting and mentorship because everyone wants to help the broke startup founder who cares and will help in return.
0: <laughs> what, what what article was that?
1: I don't recall. I, I can look it up after. But uh, It sounds like something I would write. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I want to get to is how have you seeked out mentors? Just general advice of like the value of mentors and someone that's seeking a mentor, like how do you find a mentor?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, um, I've never like officially asked people to mentor me. Yeah, I think it's always been very natural um, and also extremely intentional. It's like in this idea of how we built the brand on this idea of pathfinding. When I think about where I want to go and I do a lot of the reflection and discovery around it, I think about who are the people who have been there and done that. And then I go seek them out. I'll give you a recent example. I hit, let's just say, Crisis 2.0 in June, You know, May. Well, probably like March. It was the, the beginning of it. And in June, late, Ju- late July, actually, when I was in Denver, I've I been working a lot with this guy named Rich Keller, who has been pretty influential on in helping me on the brand side of things. But it's funny when a brand is so tied to a person, it's tied to a person, you know. Rich was really insightful and I was I opened up to Rich one night and I said, I really need like male emotional support. And I said, I've always sought it out. And when I see older men who have families who are present with their kids, who this and that, like I I latch on because by the way, my dad is an incredible father, so this isn't a, like, discount to him, but I think there was something where the male entrepreneur with ideas, so, like my ex-girlfriend's father, his name's Peter, I he was, like, the first man, like, I saw as, like, God, you know, he had an incredible family, beautiful children, great wife, like, and, like, I was so enamored with him because of who he was. And then he took such an interest in me. And then he was like emotionally available. And so when the relationship ended in June, like I didn't just like lose someone I thought was incredibly special, but I lost like a father figure. And uh, it was devastating. And like, you know, um, it ended amicably, beautifully and amicably. And, you know, it's led to incredible growth, but, I think it became really apparent, you know, Rich was really helping me through probably one of the, the hardest periods of my life because it wasn't just the relationship I had lost. I had lost, I was facing my childhood and my past in a way I never had, which was far greater in retrospect. Um, Not that the relationship wasn't meaningful and beautiful and taught me a lot, but I, I had this so much pain that I had never processed and I, and I realized through that I needed a male emotional figure to guide me and do all this emotional work that I never done. And I said to Rich, like, I need help with this. I didn't expect Rich to take it on, but what it turned into was for every night after work for probably an hour or two, he spent just cutting into my past it was been the most painful experience, but the most growth inducing ever. I mean, he came to Denver to visit me for a week. I remember I cried in the guy's arms. It's like I was like, I felt like this root system being lifted like the more I like let the pain out in tears. And my point is, I've always known what I've wanted. I've tried to put the right people in my life who have the things I want to learn from. And part of, I think, a mentorship type of relationship is you make sure I've always made it a point in people who have helped me and gone out of their way to help me for free that I'm going to be just as valuable back, if not more valuable, and pay it forward to them yeah. and other people. And so I, just even with Rich and even you know a mentor named Steven who helped me at a critical time in my career, both of them have now said to me that I've – It back to them, and then some probably more so because, like, I I really care for the people who help me get over these very tough times. And so, I think mentors show up in people's lives like this the teacher shows up when the student's ready 100%. I've sought out the right teachers when I've been ready and I've needed them, and the right people have just showed up. and I've been very fortunate, but I've also haven't been scared to tell people I need help.
1: Yeah, that's important too. Yeah, it's you touched on like so many points. I think that the, you mentioned like the term like father figure. I think there's something about, I always resonate with this analogy of like for hunter gatherer tribes, you know, like children used to be raised by like several men, you know, and, and women, you know, in and, and the tribe was like, you got to learn a little bit from everyone. You know, I think you can learn some stuff from a father, but a lot of the times there's different dimensions that like one person can just embody, right? There's like different lessons you can learn from everyone. And I've seen like, finding mentors as a way to kind of explore different paths and lifestyles as well you know like I started out with Tom Bilyeu who is like very A-type hyper performer you know just like just like work 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 all the time and but also super successful built a billion dollar company right and it's like at the time that's like that's the similar to you it's like at that super ambition I was like that's what I want you know and so I gravitated towards him And through learning from him, through being around him, through working from him, observing everything he did, slowly I realized that that's not actually what I wanted. You know, that is the biggest lesson for me that like, that was an invaluable lesson that he taught me of like, oh, this is is not actually the lifestyle that I want. And so then hopped onto another mentor, which is like, oh, like, because I'm still very drawn to entrepreneurship. But like, let me try to find an entrepreneurship that has figured out not that the other path isn't great, I think everyone has a different path, but like let's figure out a way to balance like a very healthy group of friends, uh social life like hobbies, but also like running a like a super successful business at the same time, maybe not at the scale of the billion dollar company, but like still a very successful company, right and so that's that's why I hopped on to another mentor, which is like who I'm working with right now, Noah Kagan. But I just think that there's something about you have a vision of like, oh. Like, this is what I think I want for myself. And the mentors kind of offer like a shortcut. Instead of you spending like 10, 20 years, like, oh, let me like go, at this on my own. Like, then figure out like 30, 40 years old, like, holy shit, this is not what I wanted, you know? Like, they offer you a vision to that world that you can get in like a year or two instead of like 20 years, you know? And be like, huh. And then now I'm with Noah and there's some stuff where it's like, oh, I really like this, this and this in his life. But like, there's some stuff that, maybe aren't for me. And like, then you can find someone else of like, Oh, I think it's almost like a, you have a hypothesis of what you want, you know, then you find that person that, that that's living that life that you think you want. And then you go and you learn from them. And I, obviously each mentor leaves you with like different lessons, but I thought it was really interesting how you, uh, how you broke it down.
0: Yeah. I love what you said about shortcuts. I think that's, it's absolutely true. And I think we, as men, like there's this just theory, we need to go do it all ourselves. But I I think that's wrong. And, you know, I'm lucky my mom instilled in me growing up. Like, it's okay to ask for help. And um, not being shy of, not being shy to take help, um, I think, is really important. Because people will, people want to show up and serve and help, right? It's just how you manage the relationship and, like, serve back.
1: How do you start those relationships, though? Because, like, I'm assuming you don't start, like a relationship like that by I need help, right? Like, (laughs) I feel like a lot of of time it probably starts with like, let me help you, right? And then once you've added value in some way, you can kind of open up and be like, hey, like, I'd love your input on this or.
0: Yeah, I try and take, when I meet people, I really try and take stock of the things that they care about and that they're good at and enjoy and kind of where their strengths are and also maybe where their weaknesses are. So one, it's easy to kind of understand how to help people. But then too, if you do need help, it's understand how to find the right person at the right time. And so having that like mental bank of like, who is good at what I think has really served me because it allows me to get on the right path faster, overcome the right rocks, you know, and faster than most. Um, I'm not saying it's easier. Uh, I'm just saying that I think when we lead our lives with the right people around us. It's just so much more meaningful and richer experience.
1: Yeah. Totally. Okay, so for people watching, we changed outfits. <laughs> Brian had to hop early for a doctor's appointment yesterday. So we're doing part two where we're gonna dig into his company and some of the people he's worked with as well. Jeremy had me so exhausted after yesterday's <laughs> with doctor. Last, so yesterday we spoke about how you you didn't feel ready to start a company at the time. And that's why you wanted to go work with a CEO entrepreneur and kind of like work as the right hand man and shadow what they were doing to really learn what it takes to be an entrepreneur and kind of like the skills to develop. Can you walk me uh, through that experience and how you came out of that? Like, obviously... Your next job was the company that you're still running today. So how did that experience help? And what changed as far as you finally feeling ready to start a company?
0: Yeah. So I was working on a book launch at the time with an author named Alan Gannett. You know, working with Alan, you know, I really got a kind of a, a backstage, uh, no pun intended, kind of view at what it was like to run a brand for an individual and how to put together all the pieces. And it really made me start thinking about just the PR industry and aggregate in the publishing industry. And I started to realize all these gaps, you know, these busy individuals, they didn't have time to work with five or six vendors um, at a time. There were a lot of pieces that needed to be moved and coordinated all at once. Brands are marathons. So you always have to kind of be moving with the times. And I just, you know, how do you, these people, they they bring their ideas to the people and they want to have messages and they want to have impact, but they don't always necessarily want to put in the time day in and day out with the consistency required to actually go do the work, to really have a presence, to build a community really intentionally, to have a message, to create a podcast, to write the book, to do all the things that are really fun and kind of sexy, but like actually doing them isn't always fun and sexy, right? So... I was like, what if we could take all these kind of individualized boutique services, bundle them together, democratize it, and then create these systems of scale and efficiency? Because with Alan, you know, it was a true opportunity to bring together all my skill sets and relationships and things I had learned, combine that and merge it with him to create something really special. And while he drove, you know, I think a lot of the success had to do with him, you know, I, I think I was able to bring a lot to the table as well um and he was my master teacher and he really whipped me into shape as a leader and a seat you know just someone who operated you know day in and day out and to watch that it was inspiring you know he went to work nine to five nine to six with this company and he came home and he worked for two or three hours and so to be under someone who was just such a force in such a beautiful way like and he cared so deeply about me and other people like and then his message and to get something out there that he truly cared about. I mean, that was a really cool environment for, you know, me to thrive within. And so I just saw that moment, you know, maybe six months in, you know, there's opportunity here because I didn't see anyone else doing it to bring it all together. And so after we launched the book, we sold, you know, did hundreds of PR placements and TED Talks and, you know, tens of thousands of book sales and B- talks and B2B Sales and content and national book tour and you know all the content posts and you know all the pieces. Right after we did that, I was like, I, I got a website together and I launched my own personal website and it was just BrianWish And I figured I'm going to build a brand off myself and like create the product line and, and do it e to z. And so I I put, racked up like I remember I'll never forget about 15k in credit card debt. And oh, okay. were you working free all this time? No, no, no. He was paying me, but like, but after apart after he paid my apartment expense, which was pretty pricey in DC, and yeah, all the food and just bills, and he took care of me because I knew like it was a, a long term thing. It wasn't about to pay today, but it was. I think he paid me full time, like I could survive and exist, and so. Yeah, he did right by me, no question. But I, I didn't have much in savings because I was had inv- took all that from Wish Dish, as we talked about earlier. So I had to invest in a website, a team. Like I had to get all the pieces off the ground. But it was through that experience where I was able. It was like my, let's just call it my R and D expense, because I was really able to understand if I could build a brand for myself and put all those pieces together. How could I go do it for somebody else? Uh-huh. Right, and so my, my this whole time, in a way, for the business, it's like I've been the product that I've had to test and experiment on, and once I figure it out for myself, then I roll it out to others.
1: Yeah, so it seems like like in that position, you you really identified a problem, right? Which is like all these influencers don't have that much time, and there's so many so many different stops they have to make it in order to really build like a, a brand. Like, why don't I bundle all of that and offer as a service? And I have the skills because I've been doing it for the last year. Is that what led you to, to feel ready? Because like you finally had a problem and yeah, you had the skills yeah. to serve that need? Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, I still was taking a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I remember I was debating an
0: off- offer that was more full time. It's like, just in my gut again. It didn't feel right. But I did feel like I was ready to take something on again. And I had some momentum from the network I'd built through Alan and then the track record and the, just the kind of wins I had from the last couple of years where I felt, you know, if I, if I play my cards right, I I can probably piece this all together. And so that's, that's what I just kind of bet on myself. And, you know, that's, I I felt as ready as I could be, you know, when you kind of like grow into a new shell and you're like, kind of like, you know, it's like a whole new world. Like I felt that and I felt right. I was, I was terrified but I knew it, it was a lot, I was making decisions that were aligned to who I was because they felt it internally. So, yeah.
1: What was the process of starting the business? So you were starting it as you were still working for Alan, it seems like on the side. It was, so
0: I never told him I was working on it. We had like uh-huh. a 14 month contract or something. And the, the agreement was like, he was going to probably help me like launch off of him, whatever I wanted to do. He knew coming in, I wanted to start something. So this was a new transition. This was a more of a transitionary role. You know, once I started getting the kind of edge, I knew that if I was lazy with Alan, well, I know two things. If I didn't do bust my ass with Alan and succeed, I have no opportunity for the future. I want to have him to refer me. I want to have him to launch me into the world. I want to have that relationship. Just because he paid me doesn't mean it would have gone beyond that. And so to me, I had to succeed with him. I had that foresight to be like, if I don't do this well, I'm doomed because I won't have something to launch off of. And then, two, I mean, the work with him was really intense, a lot of coordinating, but I had to get ready for rolling off of him because I knew that when the contract was over, that we probably weren't going to continue working together. You know, I needed to figure out how I could go off on my own. And so I was building the website, I remember, at night and on the weekends, and I was trying to get a team, and I was trying to get it perfect because I needed something, I needed to stand it up. I didn't just want to throw something together. But I really wanted to do it the right way. And so that's when I started to, like, figure out how do I build a brand, like, you know, taking what I learned from Alan, but I was like, how do I build a design foundation? How do I build a message? How do I, like, structurally put a brand together in its MVP format? Um, and, and so that's, I started out as BrianWish.com because I thought if I launching off of Allen the easiest thing to do would be launching off of my name because I felt I could sell that the best versus the company at the time. And then I figured if I was going to sell myself and do sell as personal brands, if I had, if I was working to build a brand, I could, could sell something that I kind of knew how to do.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. How do you get your your first client, like, beyond Alan?
0: What happened was is when we were done working together, I said, would you launch my website? He looked at it. He said, Brian, this is flawless. Getting validation like that from him, I mean, he he was by far, he held, the bar was very high. It was very hard to meet his demands, not because he wasn't... satisfied with the work but he always had a way to like sharpen me because I was still pretty I mean I was I was fairly green maybe I think he saw the ability and the talent and the something in me but he really needed to to sharpen me so I worked really hard to make sure the website was flawless when I showed it to him I said this is we helped launch me, and at the time, Alan had a pretty massive, and he still does, a pretty massive LinkedIn following. But like this was like LinkedIn three years ago, and his posts were getting like four hundred likes a pop, you know, because uh-huh. he had the distribution that most people didn't have. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I've learned enough about these social algorithms. So what I did was I, I had him launch the site, and then I went through my phone directory, and I probably sent the post to like a hundred people. And so I had at the end of the post, I had, there were probably five or 600 people who liked it. Okay. There were the post had a hundred thousand views after like a week. So I reached out to every single person off that post and who
1: liked it. You mean liked it? And I yeah. said,
0: Hey, thanks for liking the post Alan shared about me. Hope it was impactful or something. And that led to like 30 meetings. And then that led to like my first four clients. And then three months later, Basically, I set them up on a retainer and then three months later I was out of debt and I found that I went on a hunt to go find a COO because I didn't want to do basically what I was doing for Alan was work that gave me an understanding of everything, but the work, I, I was not my strength in a way. And so I, I go, I was like, I want get out of debt. And then two, figure out how do I scale myself? Because I need to put in the systems to create the momentum for the business to scale which is why I think we've been able to accelerate how we have the last three years.
1: Yeah, I love that. Those stories are my favorite. Like just like one post, they just like blow up. The fact that you followed up with everyone that that liked the post and those people eventually, I'm guessing like some of them maybe were interested as a client and some of them referred you to other people they knew, right? Yeah. And it's just like, it goes to show you if if you put out something on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, and you get like 10 likes you know like those are 10 real people you know and yeah. like on those on these platforms i think the connection like one to one connection is more valuable than just like the reach of like oh it's like 100,000 people but it's like i think the more important thing is like the actual like connection of like oh like you message someone and it's like you have a real relationship there versus just like an internet stalker you know
0: yeah no it's great and i think to your point It's one, when people engage on stuff, it's an opportunity to build meaningful relationship. Like online is important, but it's what you do with the offline that's even more important. I don't think the disconnect is it's not all about just getting tons of people to like. I would rather have 10 of the right people like a post and 100 of the wrong people. One is vanity and perception and the other is real meaningful engagement, right? And so I've always, you know... We're not a growth agency, is what I like to tell people. We build thought and impact leadership for individuals to impact the right people. But I I don't necessarily care about growing something significantly the wrong way. I'd rather grow it slowly the right way and give something a long-term foundation. And I just, there's not a whole lot of long-term thinkers. But when you think about building a brand, especially a brand from scratch, I've been doing it myself for the last three and a half, four years, right, been on this brand journey and kind of taking the hard punches first so others don't have to kind of fall as hard. But, I mean, I'm still nowhere close to, like, where I want it to be, but I definitely know where I want it to go. And I I would rather work and cultivate someone early who's had a lot of success in another space and help them build a brand versus someone who's already massively successful. Now, don't get me wrong. like Those people are fun to work with. But I would rather... Be a part of growing something really meaningful
1: from the start and do from it from the ground up. Yeah, you mentioned this term to me the other day. You said we specialize in second act professionals. Can you clarify what that what that means?
0: Yeah, so a lot of these people are like investors or successful authors or been, been very successful CEOs or we're starting to branch into other spaces like entertainment and music and you know get behind people who have had a track record of success in in one industry. And are kind of in this like active transition, like, okay, I, I excelled here and now what do I do? And the idea is, right, if we can help an individual kind of house all their talents, skills, relationships under one roof and help them cultivate a message around who they are and then create the product extensions around them, right? It's more ownership of their brand and who they are. This feels. Yeah. Into the, you know, where blockchain and crypto is going and tokenization long term, which is exciting and monetization of attention and audience, but short term, right, it, it enables somebody to take everything they're good at and then own it and put it under their own name, which to me, I just think there's more meaning in that and more like just thoughtfulness when you do it like that opposed to let me just start another company in the act to have another exit. But it's these people who have already kind of been there and done that and they're like, Okay, what's the impact look like in the second half of my career?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I mean the I think it applies to everyone. Right? Like Tom was like that, like he built a company and then I think it gets a point where you have like a certain level of success in your career, right? And then you want to you want to give back through teaching, right? And that's I think the value that uh building a brand can offer. Like teaching at scale kind of I think it's interesting what you're saying earlier yesterday about building a brand and finding your path kind of being the same thing, right? And that kind of being at the core of you guys' mission. I think that like pathfinding and creating a brand, I think that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And, and the path is kind of all the things I shared earlier in the show of never really fitting in and always kind of trying to struggling to find my way or different things. Like whenever something has happened in my life, I've always tried to find the best way forward in the most aligned way. And I've never really compromised on my values or what feels right. And I think find a path, it's like how do you find a meaningful and aligned path, a meaningful aligned and impactful path? And that's definitely very top of mind um, has always been. And, you know, I think growing up, I questioned early, I said, you know, how do I have something I can make great money at and have impact with? And so heading into college, it wasn't just about, you know, finding the job to get, you know, freedom through entrepreneurship. It was also about, like, how do I find a way to make money and have impact at the same time? So I never took a job that didn't align with my values or something that felt like it was getting me a step closer towards that goal. And so to be able to finally like four years in four years later from where I started or you know really ten years you know since I kind of really started asking myself this question you know ten years in I'm finally at a point where like I can wake up every day and say like making money not a significant amount we're reinvesting a ton in the business and team but we're making money and I'm doing something meaningful and that feels really good and hopefully that that scales.
1: Nice. How did you end up working with Near
0: AL? I met the Morning Brew founders through Allen, so I knew their head of growth. Um, His name was Tyler Dink at the time. He runs a company now called Beehive, or Try Beehive. Tyler's great, be a good person for you to know. And um, I pitched Tyler on getting Allen and Morning Brew for the book. And he put me in touch with Alex. And then I met Alex in Austin in New York during the book launch when I went up to New York. And I built good rapport with them. So what happened was I had launched the business and I got a text from Austin like three months in. He's like, hey, I'm about to go have dinner with a big author. I can't tell you who, but (laughs) I think he could be a client or something. or, Or what should be a client? He's like, could you take another client on? This is at a time where I was like very much at the beginning. And so I remember Austin put me in touch with Nier. I was still figuring out like a pitch and all these things at the time. And I was just like, I told Nier, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, here's kind of how I work and what I learned with Alan. And, you know, I take a more of a tailored approach to clients. And, you know, I don't really have a set, like here's a package A or B. It's, It's pretty tailored. And I remember him saying, he's like, I really like the custom approach. Like yeah, he's like, well, oh, let's give it a try. I remember I, I I was still like writing content for clients at the time, and so <laughs> I'm not a writer by trade. Like I'm not a writer. Like I can write and I write well from the heart, but I'm not like a writer. Okay. And, um, I delivered the first batch of content to Near. He's like, hey, I don't think he used these exact words, but he was like, this is awful. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is not my voice. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I mean, because he's like a doctor of his voice. Like, he he is so, he knows precisely, like, yeah. that's why he wants to come across. So I was like, oh, shit, we're going to lose him. Anyways, long story short, we didn't. I mean, he's near still a client today. He's been, you know, it's funny. He's the author of Hooked. He's probably shaped our product more than any client. Yeah. Uh, at least in the early days. He always had such direct Constructive feedback
1: for for your company, you mean?
0: For me, interesting. Although we 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 crushed his book launch for him. I mean, crushed.
1: Wait, wait. So where where do they go from like your writing sucks to my writing sucks? I forget what
0: happened, but I found a writer who could work with them. He worked with us though. He's like, yeah, like I think he saw like maybe similar to Alan something in me, and he always liked me. And he's like, okay, I believe in this kid if he can get the job done, I don't know. But like, I was like trying to prove to him. And so anyways, finally, after like a couple of months, we had his voice like pretty down pat. And that was really, that was great. And you know, he's, he's been a client ever since we've had profound success with him. We've done it all organically. Did you launch hooked with him or was that after? we We launched Indistractable, but when we started working with him, he had zero social, you know, and I'm not saying we're his growth agency, but we, we have deployed his thought leadership, I think better than he ever thought possible.
1: So uh, you guys run all of his, uh, all of his socials. Yeah. Twitter, LinkedIn,
0: Instagram, the newsletter on LinkedIn, a ton of PR stuff we've been able to send to him. He's been a great ally. He's talked to clients who want to become clients. He's, I think, referred a couple. He's been so adaptable with us. He's just been such a great person to know.
1: What does the process of working with him look like? Like, how do you guys work together? Do you guys have, like, a meeting every week? Or do you guys repurpose a lot of the stuff, like, directly from his book? Yeah,
0: it's a mix, right? I mean, I think that's one way to do it. And, like, just getting insights or taking articles. But there's a lot of repurposing. And then a lot of, like, actively building the community, right, for him. And Uh through different tactics and methods. And just doing that organically. And it's very, like, hands-on because, you know his inbox might get flooded with 50 messages a day, you know, yeah. or more, you know. So there's so many systems and parts that need to be accounted for, and things can't fall through the cracks. We, we get to kind of hold the hand of, like, you know, things that can really drive significant opportunities for these individuals. So the, the service has to be so white glove and tactical. And, then, you know, through four years of repetition, it's kind of what we've had to build out.
1: What, what does a, a book launch with someone like Nier look like? Like, how do you guys organize that? I mean, a book launch
0: just in general has so many moving parts. I mean, there's how do you activate an online community, which I'm sure you've, you've learned a lot through Noah and Tom, right? How do you take the people online and, and get them to go do things in their networks to spread the word, right? How do you... Line up hundreds of PR opportunities for an individual all to come out within a month. How do you drive speaking opportunities, TED Talks? You know, how do you create business B2B opportunities through, you know, communication tactics to send a book, to send a galley, personalized letters to following up to, do you have a, you know, the digital assets? Are you going to build a private community? Are you going to do private events with? You know, individuals in your network that are going to inspire the audience. You're going to have like sample chapters if people pre-order. Are you go, you know, there's so many moving pieces to a book launch, and if you do it right, you can kind of catch that wave of massive momentum. Uh-huh. But you really have to line up everything; has to like go off at once. It's like rock launching a rocket. It's extremely technical.
1: That was a big. Um, I read the Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday yeah. a while back, and that was the most I didn't realize before, but that was the most, like, the biggest takeaway for me is, like, spending, like, a year planning for a book launch, where, like, you're planning every single event that's going to happen, like, during that one week of the launch, right? But everything is, like, being prepared, like, one year in advance. I thought it was, it was really interesting. Yeah, at least a
0: year, mm-hmm. right? And, like, these platforms take years to build. So... I think if someone's like, I want to write a book, but if they don't have a platform, like don't even think about writing the book. I mean, I'm not saying don't pursue a dream, but like, again, and that's why it's just such an overwhelming and intimidating process. Like, and I think that's why what we do as a business is such a need because a lot of people want to do this work. have no idea where to start. And then to piece it all together, it's just a, it's a massive puzzle. Yeah,
1: no, for sure. So like you basically finally start a company, which is, a company that doing something meaningful and that you're passionate about, which is seems like your goal from day one right it's you yeah, kind of this drive towards this uh this goal and then recently you've kind of gone on a second journey of soul searching and pathfinding. that you describe it in some of your blog posts so i'm curious I'm curious about that and how like what what events triggered that
0: yeah. Uh yeah, you know, it's funny. I've told more on this podcast. I've not shared any of this publicly, but um <laughs> I, they say your story is your credibility, they say. Yeah. Uh, look, I I was dating this girl who, you know, it was a great relationship. And it was one of the most exciting relationships I had been in. And I lo- I talked a bit about it earlier, but I loved her family. And it was just like the most special connection I think her and I both ever held, you know. For reasons that we don't need to share, the relationship really needed to come to an end, which was her to I let her decide. And it was a beautiful ending, and we parted ways. It was hard because I think, as you talked about in my in my mind, right, I was kind of on the road. I had the meaningful business I thought I always wanted, and then I could go build that family I never had. Uh. And she was probably the first person that I could have ever seen a maybe a potential future with. And, you know, life happens, and it's hard. But I think what happened after that is I was facing the loss of her and her family, but then I felt this massive and major, like, oh, shit, I got to, like, face myself. I got to step into who I am. And I can't use other people, relationships, and work as this kind of armor, right, from, like, stepping into who I am as a full person. And I think relationships and my work has always been a way to shield myself from really understanding who I am beyond work or beyond just my functional way of navigating in the world. And it's always given me like a safe way to like go in and out because I could, these external variables in a way that weren't myself could kind of guide and shape me. And so, the relationship was a kind of a, let's just call it a trigger moment of, and like, well, sad and while well, it came with so much learning and whatever, but what really hit me after was I need to look within and really face myself. I should not numb it and run to another relationship, not numb it and run into drugs, alcohol, just an escape destination wise, but like, well. I knew that it'd probably be good for me, regardless of what happened, to get away for the summer at least and really take some time for myself. And I ended up going to Denver, though, because just I thought it might be better. And more Bigger cynical. city, yeah. I called it this journey to self. And I went and I bought a camera the day before I left D.C. And I was like, you know what? It'd probably be good for me to document some of this. I don't know where it's going to take me, but I remember I went to the camera store. I didn't even plan it. They had all the starter equipment. I was so lucky. Normally they don't. I had a great deal on a camera, and I left. I befriended the camera store guy because I was so overwhelmed with even how to turn on the camera. And I, I got to Denver. And so it's funny. I'll tell you a story. The first night out, it was 14 hours into my drive. I was going to pull over at a motel, and I couldn't find a motel in Iowa. So what I did was, you know, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to finish the drive in a day. I was like, I'll get there, you know, the next morning and get to call Denver in a day and go sleep somewhere and then go find an Airbnb until my next Airbnb is ready. So I get back on the road off the exit and I go down and I'm like 20 minutes on the road. It's like 11 at night. I was just I wanted to escape. Getting, I just wanted to get to Denver. I was like, I just need to get there. Like, I was just like this massive pull and like just this heaviness of what I was leaving behind, and get back on the road. And I hit a tire in the middle of the highway, it derailed me in my tracks, like smashed my front bumper. And so I had to pull over on the side of the road. I was road. I was on the side of the road for like 10 hours until the next morning until a cop like banged on my window. And it's like, how can I help? Because AAA wouldn't come and I didn't know how to get a tow truck and it was miserable.
1: It's like on the hero's journey, like the obstacles, you know, getting in the way. The fact that it was the first day is I think was a
0: sign in it. And the sign was telling me, Hey Brian, you need to slow down. Like you need to slow down, not just your car. You need to slow down your life. And, You know, it kind of like was a surreal moment where I just had to like let go of like, you know, the frustration I could have felt. And I was like, all right, part of the journey. And that's what I did. And so when I got to Denver, the next two months were the most intense period ever. It still is. It's just a different part of the journey right now. I script every layer to my core, unlike I've done ever in my life. And I worked with this guy, Rich, who I told you about. And you know, it was that pain. I really, like, I remember there was, like, one day I, I really had these breakthrough insights and I just, like, a couple days in a row I just, like, broke down on the weekend because it was, like, so much pain inside and I just had to, like, let it out. Denver, for the July and August, it was this, like, two-month period of just, like, like putting a major puzzle together that I didn't even understand the pieces to. And if I didn't understand the pieces to, how would I even put it together? But it took someone... To guide me and we spent probably two hours a night three or four Mm -hmm. nights a week Uh and that was after a hard day at work and after going to the gym and like keeping my workouts consistent and then like coming home and then working my like emotion that's what happened so it's been this personal kind of finding my path and trying to learn how to show up wholeheartedly and connect my head and my heart and I'm a different person. Like the old ways of me working, like I can never show up in the same way. And it's growth, but it's it's painful growth. So I'll pause. That was a lot.
1: That was good. That was good. I guess to make it practical, like for anyone that 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 feels am going on a similar journey, what are a couple takeaways or action items that you would you would give them as homework?
0: Yeah, I think it starts with like everyone has that like voice within that like speaks to them. I think we can shut it out or we can be open to it. And like, we got to lean into the fear of it. And there's a quote. It's like the tunnel you fear to enter holds the light and reward. I forget that it's, it's by Joseph Campbell, but like, so my point is, I think tip one is like, listen to the voice, like, and lean into it and follow it. And like, you'll know when you're following it and you'll know when you're avoiding it. Like there's, there's pain on both sides. There's pain in the numbing and there's the pain in the going into it. Like you choose what you want to do. So that's one. I would say the second thing is find somebody who has gone through a lot of what you've gone through, whether that's a therapist, a support figure, someone who can truly invest time into. And honestly, I think if it's a therapist, it needs to be more than just like once a week or once every like two weeks. Like this, it's intense personal work. So I would probably advise to find someone who can kind of take you under their wing and then learn alongside you, bring their life experiences to the table, and help you go through. I think that, I don't think that there's a lot of people who could do the work that Rich was able to do with me. I was very lucky. I think it was pretty kismet. But find someone that you can have like free talk space with to like get everything out and make sense of things. I consistently journaled and then like I wrote articles every weekend. I think I'll put it into a book one day to like piece together these passages and these writings, mm-hmm. right? And so I would just say be really intentional about like understanding thoughts and like connecting the dots and the insights as you're working with someone. People are thinking about going on a journey like this. Usually it's prompted by something. So one day, I think they also need to figure out what's prompting them to do it, whatever that trigger is. So they need to get to the bottom of that. And I think it's also like connecting the past, not beyond the trigger, but like I went deep into childhood stuff High school stuff, college stuff, post college, like I, every piece I like opened up. And so I think having the willingness to like face yourself and like, no, it's going to be painful, but like just keep leaning. So be ready to like start connecting the dots of the past. And I would say education, like a classroom, bring in supporting materials. I mean, I was reading books on spirituality. I read a book called Letting Go, The Untethered Soul. I read A Surrender Experiment. I read The Power of Now. I read. Those are spiritual books. I'm still reading in others.
1: I laugh because like I read all of those like last summer. (laughs) I was like, I had the similar moment. It was like, I feel like those are kind of like a starter pack for, (laughs) for unbundling yourself, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. And I started reading a bunch of Brene Brown books and then Mm -hmm. I'm reading a book on mask, finished a book on masculinity called, um, man enough. And now I'm reading a book about like power and like holding yourself with like understanding power dynamics and like, how to show up better in the world and how to value yourself. And so all the things I started to uncover in my insights, I started to find materials to support the journey around. So I wasn't the only voice in my head. Rich wasn't the only voice in my head. My writings weren't. I could have supporting evidence. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I'd say is like build a support group. You know, I had three, four or five friends that if I needed to call a friend to like, just talk, I knew they were going to be there. That was my path, right? And I think that's a framework that someone takes takes a I would call it a bold, courageous, brave journey like this, and really like does the work. Like you, you can't do it alone, and it's going to take people and resources around you to help you through it. Probably get to the other side much better than where you started, but it's not going to be easy.
1: Nice, man. Thanks for sharing those uh, those tips. I feel like out of all of this reflection uh, you've done on yourself, you've also come out with a lot of insights about your company mission and you guys' values and the change you want to make in the world. So, I wanted to kind of talk about the intersection of that. And it seems like you've done a lot of thinking around like BW missions, mission, and values. And so, that could be something to end on that, that yeah. can be valuable.
0: I mean, look, I think this journey has brought in my, we built the brand of helping find a path, helping individuals find paths, right? And so, Because we've created, I think, such a dynamic foundation as a brand. By the way, we're rebranding, so it'll be called something else in the spring. But as I'm finding my path as as a business person, and I'm finding my path as a person, an emotional, full, dynamic person, we're going to build product lines around all the things I'm doing. So I see myself as the test dummy product, as I said earlier. So we'll put a book out. We're ready. We're built. We have a ghost division right now. We're going to figure out the publishing side. So we'll build that, use it to go speak. We'll build out this whole speaking side. will you know, we'll keep innovating on like where I can, like as I build the path professionally and where we're helping other thought leaders do the same. Right. And also like I, I might put a movie behind a doc, short documentary behind this, but why can't we have a film division? You know, and like I'll probably put a, long monologue out or i have no idea but that could be cool so i'm like okay well why not build services and basically i can set the tone but then on the personal side like how do i take a journey like this i think a lot of people could benefit they might not need to travel throughout the west like i decided to do it because i had the freedom with the business to do it but i think you could do this work at home so how can you create your own journey to self at home and how do i how can we productize that I've really helped a lot of young professionals find their path and like figure out how to do things that are aligned to them. And I built a four month education program during the pandemic and I've taken about 10 students through it. And that's the path finding. So I see this brand, right? Encapsulating all these learned and lived experiences of who I am. And eventually, like right now, we're super focused on the business leader and like the ideally we're going to differentiate and scale different industries and put in tech. But then how do I bring this around and do it for young professionals on the personal side and emotional side, and also the, the, the career development side, wow. right? It all comes back to helping people find a path with, which is an extension of who I am as a brand. And so to me, this is a 15, 20, 30 year business.
1: I love it, man. Um, I love it. Where, where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me
0: uh, on LinkedIn, just Brian wish. That's with the Y. And then, People can find me on email, that's B-R-Y-A-N, Brian at first name, Brian, last name, wish.com. So Brian at BrianWish.com. And then Instagram and Twitter, Brian Wish
1: underscore. Nice. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing the journey. It's, uh, I think there's a lot of lessons around, like people wanting to find their own path. And that quote I was reading yesterday, Actually, I don't know if I read it. It's like oh by Ramdas of like everyone's just walking themselves home. Oh,
0: I put that I think I put that in a newsletter.
1: I dug deep, man. But but that that quote like felt like a great illustration of this journey that we're all on. So
0: Dude. Well thank you, man. Thanks for being a part of it. Seriously. It's so
1: special. Hell yeah there you have it. I hope you got something out of this interview. I'm really trying to make this as valuable as possible to you. So if you have any feedback on how I can make this better, or if you have any questions for me personally, I'll get back to you. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is at Jeremy John Mary. You can also comment if you're watching on YouTube, you can just comment below. All right. Thanks for listening and have an epic week.